Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul and I'm here with Gar. Yeah, 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 that's me. Here we are with another podcast. We do one every week. Sometimes we do two, a little bit for Patreon. Sometimes yeah. we do, yeah, we always do a radio show as well. Yes. And uh, today we are just doing our regular podcast. Episode. You fucking know that because you listen to it. You're listening. Today, today's uh, title is called Don't You Forget About Me. That's right. Finally, oh, 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 a, simple, yeah. a, simple, a Simple Minds retrospective episode. Uh, no, it's not. No, sorry to, to, to disappoint any uh, Simple Minds fans. But all you'd already the massive know all Simple Minds fans that we, yeah. we know and love ourselves. Now, bottom line is we wanted to make a playlist of bands or acts who were really big in the 80s and 90s, but who have had a banger in the last decade or so. Yeah. So we wanted to unearth these gems. And people are always asking me, oh, have you heard that new album by like such and such? And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm all right now with them. Yeah, I have my fill of them, and that's a fucking real mad cynical way of thinking of it. Like, but sometimes, like, I know that latter day fucking content for bands that were big in the nineties and eighties and whatever like that is generally a bit crap. Yes. and you have to sift through more. You don't get that album. So some acts have taken like a huge break before coming back, or some have been consistently releasing albums, and a lot of it's hard to keep them. Um, Going forward, I'd say a lot like that with, with, with people jumping off all the time, like your fans yeah. jumping off all the time. And like I said, it can happen with a big break or a run of bad albums and stuff like that. Mm. Um, some people also just don't like to listen to new music. I can be like that sometimes. I'm not, I'm always, I have to push myself. The older you get, the, you'll realize, yeah, well, fucking push yourself. You start realizing that. Um, so we have made some a playlist that I would have loved someone to just give me all the time. Imagine someone just giving you these playlists all the time. Here's yeah. fucking the new the, the the new songs by artists that you like, but with all the crap cut out. So like, so we have picked ten bangers, I think, of, ba- of ba- songs released in the last decade or so mm. by bands that we all know and love. But you might not have kept up with. Now some people have kept up with these bands. Oh, definitely. It's, un- it's unlikely that some of them definitely not. So, like I said, I'd love someone to give me his playlist. Mm. <laughs> Look, this is deadly. Right, there's bands that I didn't put on it. <laughs> Like Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead, because we've been just picking them too much. Simply, simply for like Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead, both simply Mayans push. Yeah, and Tool had an unbelievable album yeah. after. Like, we've 15, covered that year, a good bit as well. Year break we covered that a lot as well. So there is some bands on this playlist that I I'll get into them. I'm sure you will as well. We dropped yeah. off maybe and went back again. Yeah, definitely. and uh, we've compiled a list of their later bangers. Mm. So um, we'll be playing a little bit of them as well. I didn't go for. Metallica and the Pesmo because they were too big. Weirdly, yes. they were just too big. So it was like everyone will have heard that Metallica album. People I know who don't even like Metallica listen to it just because it was a thing. Uh, I, They're I, back I, in pug form. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I wanted to put Joanna Newsom and my buddy Valentine on it, but they're not on Spotify, so fair play to them. Mm. Um, I know as well that when you're at a gig and the band starts playing their new songs, it's usually like, uh, yeah. Uh, Do you just, have to? Yeah, I know. Like if they're, if they're deadly, that's great. But if the band are well past their creative form, look, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off anyway. I'll go yes. with, with my first song and it is nobody's daughter from hole by hole. Should I say from the uh, album? Nobody's daughter straight from the hole, straight from the hole. That was 10 years ago. So, I wanted to put a whole song on it, but literally the, the last two that I'd say she, because it's not really whole anymore. Yeah. They released were okay, but they weren't as good as this song. This is a really fucking good song. I like this, yeah. This is the first 
album, excuse me, since Celebrity Skin in 1998. So that's a 12-year gap. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Love, of course, had her solo album with um, American Sweetheart in 2004. I wasn't mad into that. It sounded a bit like, I don't know. Um, this song is not really quintessential whole because not only is Courtney Love the only member in the band at this stage, mm-hmm. it's a little touch overproduced, but this is a, still a great song. This is mm-hmm. really, really fucking enjoy this song. I have a few issues with it not being... It could. Be, it's a great song. It could be a brilliant song if there's much of a difference between those two. Mm. And I'll tell you why. It's produced by Linda Perry, the woman that you go to as as a woman when you want to revamp. Yeah, simple as that. Simply put, um, we'll give it a bash and then we'll get into talking talking about it. There, I yeah. think people will like. If especially you like Hall, you'll definitely like this song. You might not have listened to the last album. Right here we go. There's no need for that song to be five and a half minutes long, is there? No, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, do you know what it's missing? It's missing, structurally, it's not really good. And Mm. I don't think Courtney Love writes a huge amount of songs. I actually don't think Linda Perry wrote this Mm. either. Um, I think she wrote it with a guitarist, um, some new lad. Some new lad helped her out. Um, (laughs) And I think that he's like, he could be a session guitarist mostly. Mm. So he's not used to. <clears throat> he's produced writing bits this song yeah. is full of bits, bits but it, yeah. it, it needs it actually needs a fucking solo it's somewhere near the end and to cut about a minute off it. but yeah. it does have some really cool bits at the end it's structured around like the Wonderwall whole Wonderwall uh, mm. thing and you wouldn't think it until it gets to the very end where it breaks down to just acoustic I'm like you could have got away with it now if you hadn't done that but I do <laughs> like it um, so when she uh, she wrote this song she wrote this whole album actually uh, most of the songs on this mm. album in in Rehab on a guitar that Linda Perry had given her from the sessions of American Sweetheart. Ah. She produced that as well. Uh, she sent the songs off to Moby with him in mind to produce it. Weird. And he he absolutely loved them. He said, yeah. this is fucking mental. He said, <clears throat> these are great. They sound like Irish protest songs. Wow. Now, I know that Courtney Love is like her dad's Irish, so she probably yeah. would have been uh, the kind of experienced 
maybe some Irish protest <laughs> songs, as Moby calls them. Yeah, but she lived here and, for uh, a while, didn't she? She lived here for a while. Yeah, but she went to Trinity. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a proud skill. She wasn't yeah. listening to Irish ballads in a uh, rebel ballads in yeah, there. Yeah. But but no, so um, she decided then to go with a. Uh, with Linda Perry again, and the problem with that's that is a Linda... prod skill. That's a prod skill. <laughs> <laughs> the, problem <with> Lin... <laughs> the, the problem with Linda Perry is her stuff is too smooth and, and, yeah. and produced. She gets the she's she's better at putting rock into pop music, yes, rather than the other way around. So yeah. this this song, like there's a couple of like I'm saying, like this song is almost fucking great. It's like an eight out of ten, but mm. it's touching on banger for me. I actually listen to this all the time. I think it's a great song. Mm. Um, it's very well made. You can, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it. some of the songs off this were written by Billy Corgan, who she had yeah. on and off again thing with for year, absolutely years. So yeah, the album is so so. No Aftermath and no Paddy Shamel as well. So I was kind of hesitant picking it as whole, but it's down as whole, and it's, it's yeah. she retired. She retired the whole name in 2013. I don't know. Yeah. But then again, I did hear a song from 2015 under the name. Ho- Holds and, mm. like I can't figure out what she, yeah, well, no, it's Carly Love. It's Carly yeah. Love. She's, she, gonna... she's a murderess, so you can't trust anyone. Yeah, Mordress. she's a murderess. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck. Um, I have to say though, I am a big fan of Hole. I absolutely love. I like Hole. The, the first, first, the first two mainstream albums, like yeah. Literally This and Celebrity Skin. Yeah. Um, and a couple of songs off this one, uh, Nobody's Daughter, and uh, yeah, what's the first one called again? Pretty something. Well, I don't, I don't fucking remember. I, I, um, Howl are one of those. Uh, it's the odd time I'll be walking home. I put Howl on and just hit shuffle on Spotify. Mm. And like whatever, just give feed me whatever. I did that the other day and um, we're Howl actually. And you shuffled your Howl. A cover of Hungry Like the Wolf came on. Acoustic. Jesus. Oh, well, bad. yeah, I'd say so. Really I would say so. Um, so that's my first one. Give okay. me something I haven't heard. Well, maybe not. Well, they haven't heard. The people. Maybe uh, so the first one I picked was Shed Seven, who um, I picked a song called Room in My House, which is just the first song off their album that they released. I think it was last year. Maybe it was the yeah. year before. Um, yeah. If you can't remember, it was the year before. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I might have even have been before that. Um, we're in hyper, we're in hyperspace. It was probably 2015, man. I don't remember. We're it was in, in the last the last few years. I really should have written that down. I probably did somewhere in this sheet. Um, so the album's called Instant Pleasures. And I was always a big fan of Shed 7. I've talked about them a thousand times. They're one of my favourite bands from the kind of early Britpop era. Yeah. I and, love uh, man's voice. It's that's voice. fucking brilliant. Uh, um, what's his name? Rick, Rick Witter, I think his name is. And um, they... Uh, they were kind of considered to be uh, not so much a Britpop band as a post Smiths band is what they were kind of named by the by the press in the UK, um, mostly because they struggled for ages. Nobody gave a shit about them. And then one day they just stumbled upon a banger. And then all of a sudden everyone was like, this is really good. And they went back and listened to the old stuff they put out. And they're like, this is really good as well. Why didn't we get this the first time around? Yeah, they kind of suffered from that. Uh, Smith's thing of playing in fucking toilets for ages before anybody kind of caught them. Such an band, I think. I really they just... they made they didn't seem to have made any mistakes. They just yeah. they were always a little bit too early or a little bit too late, or they weren't rock and roll enough. But like their songs, I would gladly put Shed Seven songs up against fucking Oasis or Blur or Cast or 
any of those kind of definitely. Big, I think they were. Bands. I think they were getting there till, like we said before, Radiohead came along, released Talking Computer, and exactly, exactly, just killed it, uh, shot shot it in the fucking head. So they, they formed yeah. in York in 1990. <clears throat> they went about 2003 and they knocked it on the head. In 2007, they kind of got back together again just to play a few like greatest hits gigs. Yeah, um, I have their uh, greatest hits. What's it called? Yeah, Going for gold. Going, Going for, for gold, gold is yeah. the name of it. Yeah. Is their kind of best of? Yeah, now. There's a story behind going for gold as well, which is kind of interesting. The record label put that out without telling them. Um, they thought they were like lads. We're only like two albums in. We don't. Yeah, think I remember time. thinking that. I yeah. thought, do you know what? That's real bad because at the time, all I kept thinking was they're cashing out early, real yeah. early. <laughs> it was the the record label because they were signed. I think the Polydor, and um, mm. they were doing okay with them, and then. Uh, the first album, Change Giver, which is amazing, an amazing fucking album, done pretty well for him because they put out a bunch of EPs and singles that done meh, whatever. But Change Giver yeah. done real well. And uh, then they brought out fucking, um, what was the name of the second album? Uh, fuck me. It was called eh, 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 A Maximum High. Right. A Maximum High was the name of the second album. But they, um, <laughs> they put a single, this is fucking mad. They beat Take That. To the Christmas number one in Thailand in <laughs> in nineteen ninety four. Their song Ocean Poi was so fucking big in Asia that it be take that. And that's like <laughs> one of the only countries like in the world that yeah. be fucking take that that year. So they they kind of concentrated on Asia for a while, doing a lot of tours and obviously milking it over there, making a few bob. Um it was around I think nineteen ninety six uh best of comes out. Um, actually, sorry, it was 1999 the best of came out. Apologies. And that sure. was the label had banged. Like, if their first album came out in fucking 1994, and by 1999 they're releasing the best of, apparently they had they with the record label saying, What the fuck are you doing? Like, this for. It looks bad. It looks, looks bad. bad. Now, what they did do is they had a couple of. Um, a couple of songs that had never been put on albums, like Dolphin and shit like that, they put those on there that are amazing songs. Some of their best songs that ever got released were the new songs that were, they were putting to Going for Gold. They actually got yeah. released on vinyl last year as well. I'm going to buy a copy of that. It's a double LP. Is it gold? It is gold, yeah. Has to be, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm going to buy that um, uh, fucking ASAP. Um, so 1999, they leave the band, uh, the, they leave the record label and the band coined the this band they kind of knock it on the head and um for a year or two the, a lot of the members the, the singer does his own thing starts to start a new band and the other lads the, the, the fucking jobs the other lads in the bands get is fucking insane one of them starts like a karaoke company and he's mm. going like around pubs in england singing karaoke and shit but he's making more money doing this than he was in the band so they decided the that karaoke, oh, there, there was as well around fucking early 2000s most definitely <laughs> um so uh, th- th- there was kind of a Mark II Shed Seven that done the rounds and released an album, but it wasn't very wasn't very good. It was missing a guy called Paul Banks, who was like one of their main songwriters and guitarists. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he wasn't doing the rounds. He was, I think, he was fucking selling. What was he doing? He was selling something fucking weird. Just a weird noise outside the door. Sound like some a drill on wheels. It's a good <laughs> noise. Um, sounds like I'm living in your house. That fucking building site across the road. Oh, it's gone now. It's sorry, now. Thankfully. <laughs> um, so Mark Two Shed Seven comes out, doesn't really deal with it, and so they decide, fuck it, let's knock on the heads. We, we, we've had enough. Um, we've had uh, the greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. They, they actually did release another greatest hits. Um, they signed with another <laughs> label. They signed with another label, and the label was kind of fucking them around. So they said, fuck this, knock on the head. Then 2007, they decided, let's 
let's get together and do like our greatest hits tour because they they were one of those bands um, that could have done better after they knocked them on the head than they did when they were alive. So in I think it was two thousand. I'm going to call two thousand seventeen. That it is two thousand seven. They released Instant Pleasures three years ago. This new album comes out three years ago. I remember seeing something online saying Shed Seven's first album in fucking whatever sixteen years. And I'm like, fuck. That was off. A seventeen, yeah, came yeah. out. So I'm like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Sixteen years it's been since their last album. So, um, I heard one song, and that they released. They released like a single. I think it might have been this song, "Room My House," the fourth song off the album. I was like, I'm fucking sold. I'm sold. And uh, I ran out and I bought it the day I came out and it's on lovely red, red vinyl. But the album is amazing. I'm going to play a little bit of it here. Yeah. Um, I'll play a minute or so of it. It's just, it's, it, it doesn't sound any different from their old stuff. It just slots right in. It's perfect. Right, right here we go. yeah it fits in with all their old stuff it yeah, doesn't it does, sound yeah. a million miles away from at all which and it's, it's good quality as well yeah it sounds really good um, mm-hmm. I think they, they they brought back one of the guys that was working on one of the earlier albums with them you know uh, mm. it sounds really good I, I'm a big fan it's, it's yeah it I thought, I thought real, it was like Shed 7 yeah. little outlier of the Britpop yeah, era definitely tiny bit later than everyone else but man them songs yeah. are better than some of the oh yeah fucking the, some of the people that did burden them 100% they had a gig booked in 2017 for this tour, they had a gig booked in the Olympia and it got cancelled because I think the ticket sales are too low. Yeah. And then they, they announced a gig in like the Grand Social or something that holds like 200 people, like literally like a thousand people less. <laughs> and I don't think that happened either. Um, oh. I think that might have been due to happen when COVID was going to kick in or something weird. Then they literally played in a shed to seven people. Probably. Which oh, might no. have been God where the name them. of the band came from. I don't know. Anyway, that was Shed 7 uh, off Instant Pleasures. I'm a big fan yeah. of that. I like a lot of that Britpop stuff and I know we get messages every week for people asking for a Britpop, uh, Britpop episode. We'll get around to it at some stage and um, maybe Shed 7 will you be on. did an indie retrospective. That's enough. Yeah. No? It's, it's, maybe. It's, Britpop in particular is just its own fucking right. thing, isn't it? And it's, 
there's some weird ones. There's some weird Britpop bands that you can yeah. do, like, like Gene and stuff like that. You can have fun with, you know, yeah. uh, that, that maybe not necessarily our Britpop were shoehorned into that, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was uh, Shed 7. Who's your next one? Uh, it's Deftones. I know a lot of people I know jumped off Deftones boat after White Pony, maybe yeah. after the self-titled in 2003, I think it was. Uh, I didn't jump off at all. I kept going with them. A lot of people did. So this is a kind of unusual choice because they didn't go anywhere. I don't think, I don't think they ha- they've, the longest they've left releasing an album is four years, but since they started in 1995. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. That's really consistent, and this um, this song "Tempest" is the best song that they've released in the last ten years. So I want mm. I, I kind of I had lots to play with. To be fair, I had yeah. three albums to choose from, and uh, I was going to put Phantom Bride in there. Phantom I could have picked great. Hook picked something off the new album, but I to be honest with you, I was like for anyone that's jumped off Deftones in the last ten years, I think "Tempest" is a song that you need to hear because it is mm. in possibly their top ten songs of all time. And that's mad to think that they're still recently releasing. And then Phantom Bride from a few years ago would probably be in the top 20. Super, at least yeah. top 15, maybe. even yeah. such an amazing song. So they are still hitting bangers. And I wanted to include them into Don't You Forget It Movie in case anyone had, had jumped off the, jumped the boat. Off, yeah. um, I was one of them. I was definitely one of them after We Pony. I heard yeah. whatever the album after and I went... Mm, Deftones, yeah. Deftones, oh. Deftones. Uh, there was some stuff on it that was okay. And I was like, nah, it's a little bit too shoegazy or something for me so oh, I jumped I off it. and yeah. then uh, uh, in the last year or two I started kind of listening a little bit again I was like oh, I kind of missed out on a lot of good stuff so I've been dipping my towel back into it yeah no it's just absolutely incredible stuff there on those albums they're not all always brilliant the whole way through but um, mm. this is I think this is from Koino Koyo Nokan mm. Koyo Koino Yokan um, yeah um I, for, for years, I was pronouncing that wrong in my head, and I never had cause to read it ever again. Sounds like a Star Wars name for a bounty hunter. It does, yeah. And um, th- this is their best song, like I said, off this album. Mm. And this is their best album out of the three they released in this decade, I think. Mm. It's the best album since White Pony. And um, it's so fucking strong. And it's the second album to feature Sergio Vega on bass, who was standing in for Chi Chang, who was in a coma uh, after a car accident during this um, album and he subsequently died a year later and he became mm. the, Sergio became the main bassist which the, the full time bassist yeah. um, this is the first album where he did a notable amount of writing and sharing right. ideas on it and I, that's, why, that's why I think honestly it's it's resulted in their best album since White Pony really? um, we'll play it there anyway play yep. a little blast of it there and um, we'll go back to talking a bit about it I love this song right. The stories they put into your mind Embrace for the glory As you stare into the sky The sky beneath I know
Jeff yeah, Tra- just, Jeff Towns. That's just an absolute banger. I loved. I just loved their their perseverance mm. and unwillingness to let the mislabeling of new metal ever really yeah. affect them. <laughs> yeah, Continuing true. on exactly what they were gonna do the whole time. Obviously, they came in in an era where that music was popular the same way Radiohead came in yeah. during it and then became something completely different. Um, they're more curie now and they've gone back into their heavier roots. They dip in and out of it and they balance, like you said, shoegaze really well. Um, they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen as well. What, do you know what? Wheatus released their debut album the same year as White Pony. Wheatus' <laughs> debut album. Yeah, no, hang on, bear with me for a sec. Yeah. Wheatus' debut album released the same year as White Pony. Wheatus sold way, way more. Um, yeah, in 2017, the Deftones are selling their two Vicar Streets and Wheatus are playing the Grand Social. So quality keeps oh, yeah. a loyal, quality keeps up on a, like he's a loyal fan base with you, I think, and consistently helps you stay in those venues mm. the whole time. Now, obviously, they're getting even better because now Deftones are selling out two Vicar Streets and Gojira are selling out one Academy and together they're putting on a gig next year in mm. the Three Arena. So that just goes to show you that oh, yeah. level of quality from the two of those bands. Certainly. Not dropping the fucking ball, not taking massive time off. And uh, and they had every right to take loads of time off with oh, yeah. their bass, bass player dying yeah. oh, in big time. circumstances. But um, yeah, so if anyone has jumped off Deftones, give this song a bash for me, put the playlist up, but also this album and all the other ones since. Yeah, honestly. So I've certainly found merit in all of them. Yeah, so that was that was Tempest from the Charles. 2012 album Koi no Yokan. Who is your next one? Uh, my next one's a band that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with, that aren't kind of big metal heads or big kind of punk or hardcore heads. It's a band called Sheer Terror. Now, what people need to understand is that um, Sheer Terror are one of those kind of incredibly important and influential bands on the entire kind of East Coast heavy music scene like they would have been mates with kind of uh, the carnivore guys and even uh typo negative mm. um they all would have been kind of touring together recording together that type of shit now being completely honest sheer terror is it's not far off being a one-man band it's a guy called mm. paul bearer and um he's kind of the only constant oh, the member. undertaker yeah exactly yeah exactly. i think he actually predates him but um it's and the ba- and the doom metal band Paul Bear. Yeah, exactly. And so he's uh this band have had a shocking amount of members over the years. Like shocking. Like to the point where you name any any fucking East Coast kind of New York band, be a typo, carnivore, biohazard, whatever, you name it, they've all probably played in Sheer Terror at one stage or another. Mm. Um the cover to one of their albums is a is a bulldog that um belonged to fucking uh, Josh Silver from Typo Negative. It was his dog. Like they were just uh-huh. hanging out and he took a picture of his dog, so that's gonna be my album cover. <laughs> <laughs> um so the first that they they formed in New York City in nineteen eighty four and they went about nineteen ninety eight and then a couple of reunions, but they kind of properly got back together again around twenty ten. Um to, to try and kind of do a few gigs and see what the crack was. So the first album's called Just Can't Hate Enough. And um, that came out in 1990. So they'd done like six years of kind of singles and EPs and splits and bullshit before they released their first album. It was actually, it was recorded by um, Tommy Victor from Prong. He was the, the sound engineer on it. 
Yeah, like prong. Yeah, uh, prong are fun. Uh, so Tommy Victor, I think the singer of prong, he he was the sound engineer, one of the sound engineers in CBGBs. That was his his night job when he wasn't gigging. He'd be, he was the sound engineer in CBG. Imagine the amazing gigs he would have saw and the amount of dickheads he would have oh, yeah. to deal with. Exactly. Now, this album, Just Can't Hate Enough, that was recorded in CBGBs before the pub opened every day. So mm. they went in and they just wired a lot of shit up in the venue and just had at it. And Tommy recorded it and edited it on all the gear from CBGBs. So as you can imagine, it doesn't sound particularly good, but it captures what, it, what it's meant to do, what it's supposed to yeah. do. Uh, 1991. Now, that album... What's interesting about that album coming out was that it was 1990 at this stage, but loads of bands had already kind of been around playing with these guys for so long that mm. you've got like <clears throat> like bands like Biohazard would have been incredibly influenced by, Car- uh, by not Carnivore, by fucking Sheer Terror. It's, it's mm. Sometimes you can, you can nearly cross the streams between Sheer Terror and Carnivore sometimes. But Biohazard were like definitely super super influenced by sheer terror to the point where eventually sheer terror were signed to the same label as biohazard biohazard kind of made a name off that style of music that sheer terror were doing and uh, sheer terror kind of got lost in the mix so they bring out another album in 1991 called ugly and proud and that's the one that has the the, the bulldog that belongs to josh silver from typo negative mm-hmm. on the front of it and um but the uh, the label who were due to put it out were the label who had just released Biohazard's first album and they'd spent way too much money on Biohazard's promotion. So the victim of making Biohazard as good like just influence yeah, exactly and yeah. then it comes back to bite them in the arse twice. Yeah, what's fucked as well is that uh, Pete Steele wrote most of that first Biohazard album as well. Did he? Yeah, yeah. And um, he wrote most of the lyrics and loads of the music for it. Um, for the lads from Biohazard. Uh, same with Agnostic Front, he would have been doing the rounds at the same time. Mm. He wrote uh, The Guts of an Entire Album for them. He's um, very talented. Yeah, exactly. That's, they were all mates and they'd all go out on the piss together or whatever. And yeah. uh, he'd just be, he, he'd, because he liked so, so many different types of music, but he kind of hung around in that New York hardcore and metal scene. He'd, mm. all, he'd be, apparently, like, he'd just show up with a guitar or whatever saying, I was thinking about you the other day and I have this idea for a song that you might like. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how it sounds. There, there's a, have a six pack of beer. I'll take that off you. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys, biggest fucking albums were, were like Pete Steele was involved in, in some way, shape or form. Mm. And, um, so this, uh, this record label that were putting out ugly and proud for sheer terror that had just put out the, the first biohazard album. They turned around to the lads and said, listen, we're after spending all of our money on biohazard. So, um, you're going to have to hang on for a little while before we can release this. So the lads are like, that's no, that's not kill, man. We have to, we have to release this fucking album. What are we going to mm. do? So they said, listen, we're going to shelve it for now. And we'll come back to it in like a year. How about that? We'll come back to it in a year and uh, see how we get on. So they, they said, tell you what, just give us the master tapes and we'll find another home for it. And they said, nah, we don't, we don't want to do that either. Um, we're just going to keep it and we'll release it whenever we want. So, the lads went off and they re-recorded the entire album with Tommy Victor again, right? Just went to the studio, re-recorded the entire fucking album because this label wouldn't give them their master tapes. <coughs> so they said, fuck it. We'll just re-record it. Went off, re-recorded yeah. it, released it. The record label see that it's doing particularly well. So they released their shelled version of the exact same album. Right. So Sheer Terror now have two copies of the almost exact same album in the charts and on the shelves fucking selling it so 
Yeah, uh, they signed to like MCA in nineteen ninety five. They done their last albums called Love Songs for the Unloved. Uh, broke up in nineteen ninety eight, and uh, that was pretty much it for a while. So in two thousand and fourteen, they released this album called Standing Up for Falling Down, and it's fucking incredible. Like you can tell that this is the type of music that they always wanted to do, but it's less. Jesus, how would you even put it? It's more. Fuck me. How would you put it? It's kind of humorous in that typo vein. Like, because Paul and Pete Steele would be very similar in their personalities. Like, where they know they're selling a product to somebody for a particular reason. And because of that, they take the piss out of it a little bit, where it's very tongue in cheek. So, like, there's loads of fucking, some of the names of the songs on this album are fucking amazing. Like old cigarettes and farts and all this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. just taking the piss, not, not not out of the people, but they're allowing themselves to kind of let their personality shine through. And uh, I'm gonna play a bit of this song is called the Revenge Revenge of Mister Jigs. Um, who I believe was a, was a cat. Um, that one of them had. Uh, I'm gonna play a bit of this here now. Cheered her after their last album, Standing Up for Falling Down. And um, it's the, the album is all over the place. There's like bits where there's fucking uh, almost love songs in it. There's bits where there's like straight ahead metal songs. It's fucking insane. Actually, I own two copies of it. I, I bought two different versions of it. It's the that, American it's version. That good. It's that good. I bought the European version and the American version. They're managing to uh, release two versions of their albums anyway. So that's kind of worked so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what tends to happen these days, it's interesting, is that. A lot of the bands that are kind of lower mid-tier fucking bands, they'll sign like a distribution deal for the United States and they'll have to go and look for one for Europe and Asia themselves. Like the label they sign to won't look after the world. They'll only do the US or North America or something, you know? That's mad, it's, yeah. So it's, it's real fucking weird. There's an awful lot of that shit that goes on, like a fierce amount of it. Yeah. Um, but that's sheer terror, standing up for falling down, the revenge of Mr. Jigs. But like I said, this band that kind of influenced a lot of the music that we grew up listening to and still listen to to this day that never like they were big in the scene they're one of the like the kind of godlike fucking figures in, in that kind of 
crossover and punk and hardcore metal scene for the East Coast, especially mm. in New York. But um, for, for, for a band that influenced everybody and were real big in a particular scene for a good long time, they just they just disappeared. They were gone. And um, the singer Paul mm. started another band called Joe Coffee, and Joe Coffee were fucking amazing. It was like this kind of alt rock type of. I don't know how you'd even because the cunt can sing, sing. He can proper sing, and you want what you want to see what this fucker looks like as well. Like he's shocking. He's shocking. He must weigh thirty stone, and he's about six and a half foot tall, and he's covered head to toe in like mad tattoos. He's just he's a mad looking cunt. He's a mad looking cunt. Um, and for for a while, if you were ever in New York, you probably you might bump into him because he was like a doorman in loads of these nightclubs and shit like that. So he worked during the day in a in a pizza parlor making pizza, and then at night time he was uh, working as a yeah, bouncer. A lot, of, a lot of those bands that <laughs> really influenced everyone, but never got really massively far themselves. So like, many of them. So fucking many. Many. We should, we should, have you ever done a podcast? No, probably should. We probably should. Anyway, that was a uh, that was a uh, sheer terror. Who is your next one? The next one's Placebo, and the song is B three from the EP of the same name that came out about six or seven years ago. Um, this song is such a good song. It can go into like the top 15 placebo songs for me, mm. I reckon. That's that strong. Now, I jumped ship after Black Market Music by them in 2000, I think, which I just didn't really like. Mm. I felt that the distance of the leap from their self-titled in 96 debut mm. to the masterpiece, Without You and Nothing, in 98 sort of like only matched in length by how much they regressed mm. in terms of what they did with black market music i thought uh, do you know what it's a, it's a case of one step forward and two or three steps back mm. not in not in ideas or you know pushing things forward just in quality I just didn't yeah. think black market music was very good um so by the time sleeping with ghosts came out in 2003 and meds in 2006 i'd already I was on a different ship altogether yeah, now than yeah. Placebo. But in 2013, for whatever reason, they had an EP, and that kind of entices me to go, right, they're back after a while with an EP. Because they had another couple of albums since then. and uh, Battle for the Sun. And then... <laughs> um, that, then this, actually. So mm. I think they took a big break. They came out with this. And I was like, I'm not listening to another album with them. Yeah. Um, you got enough shots... I did, yeah. yeah. Grant, loads of ghosts, loads of meds, Grant. And it, the first song off this EP is B3, and it's fucking deadly. Mm. It's like, I was listening to it going, holy shit. It's instantly catchy. I was like, it might be flattering to deceive me a little bit. Maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll wait and, and, and listen to it again like, later on in the day. Because we had that today with Sysma, but now we're releasing two songs yeah, today. That's right. Out of blue, and they're not good. We no. want the second one, a mellow one to the second one a little bit more, a but it's still not, bit. still not very good. No, it's but still rather one, stuck. It's so stuck. <laughs> so this is actually, like, it's mad that that happened today, that, as on the day that we're recording the thing. But uh, play some of B3 anyway. This yep. is like, for anyone that jumped off, I talk to people that love to see all the time, and they haven't gotten to this EP for whatever reason, that's fine. Kind of came and went, but uh, check this out. I think this is an absolute banger. Right. Now I paint the sea at sunset, and the rain washes clean my mind. Everyone my needs will be mad. Every cloud. 
That's a banger. That's a banger. I played like like loads of the song there, but it's yeah. <laughs> one of those ones that you kind of have to. If I had have left bits out, it's fuck it. Look, it's a deadly song. I love it. Okay. It's very good. Um, Kill the synthy uh, bit now. I like it. Yeah, this was followed up by the album um, "Loud Like Love," which again, it's fine. It's grand. But B three, yeah. this song is the best track since. The bitter end, and that yeah. came out in 2003. And the only reason I had heard that was because it was on SSX3, <laughs> played every that's three right. minutes. It's, you at the bitter end, and I was like, that's that's good. And I still didn't, I was still burnt over black market music. Yeah. So a few years ago, I went back like after this, and I mellowed out a little bit to, to even black market music. Sleeping with Ghosts and Meds are good albums; they really mm. are. Like, so I just needed time off after that hmm. and black american music has still got him rapping on one of the songs and i still don't really particularly <laughs> it's great but i've mellowed to it yeah and um so they they have another good album in them i'd say i just yeah. don't know i don't if they keep the stuff like that. i don't know no, i don't know maybe maybe look who cares because that's a deadly song that's placebo b3 yeah who's your next um don't you forget about me latter day banger um, my next one is Portishead with the song Plastic of Third, which is obviously their third album. Um, so formed in 91, first album Dummy comes out in 1994, and then Portishead, Portishead, the second album comes out in 1997, and then they just kind of disappear. Um, Third came out in 2008, so it was a big old gap of 11 years in between. Um, the second album, Portishead, Portishead, and Third. Yeah, I've never heard the third album, and I love the first too. Mad yeah, weird. I'm mad yeah. into it. It's real experimental and real, real fucky, almost industrial in parts. Um, the trip hop is still there, but they're bringing they bring in some of this uh, like kind of 80s John Carpenter style stuff as well, and then weird noise elements. It's a load of real cool shit. It's mad. Tournament. Like if, if someone said to me, like, "Do you like parts?" I go, "Fuck, man, love them, love the first two albums," and like. Uh, no point do I ever go do you know what I'll do I'll listen to their third album yeah because I think the, the gap was so long that 11 just, years like yeah 11 yeah. years what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump straight into playing a little bit of it um, yeah. just so people can hear this song is called uh, it's called Plastic <laughs> Thank you. 
as you can hear, it's fucking mad. Um, yeah. It's very cool. Though. It's, very, it's some mad, interesting stuff on there. I'd say that's a grower, all right. I will give it a go because there's no point in saying I love Portishead and then it's well worth giving it, giving it a spin. There's some fucking great stuff on there. So Portishead yeah. is Jeff Barrow, Beth Gibbons, and Adrian Utley. We covered Portishead a while ago about all the weird jobs that um, Adrian Utley in particular has done. Um, Beth Gibbons has this real cool project called uh, Rustin Man. Uh, oh, no, that's not him. That's not him. That's, yeah, that's just Rustin Man. No, with Rustin the, Man is the name of it. It's Paul Webb from Talk Talk. Yeah, yeah. And but Beth Gibbons. That's just him, yeah. No, I don't think she's not in that band. Oh, she still does a lot of guest work with him. Yeah, yeah, no, they've released an album together. It's yeah, yeah. Good. It's really good. But now like, I have to cut in there because I really love fucking uh, your man, Paul. From, uh, I love his bass. He was the bassist, wasn't he? He was the bassist, yeah. yeah. And, uh, the reason I know like, is Rustin Man because I was going to message him on Facebook to actually ask him about one of his fucking bass tones. In oh, you were, you were looking for a particular bass yeah. tone, weren't you? Yeah, and it was just basically, for a load of basses just answered it. It was a pretty standard fucking, what you need, like the chain oh, was really? standard. Yeah, oh. so I didn't bother messaging him. But like, I remember just finding a rusted man and going, oh, he did an album with, with uh, that's just him, that's just his solo thing. But that, yeah, yeah. We did, we did an album with her and it got <laughs> really well, like the reviews were great. Yeah, it was the more like him, were savage. It was more like him writing an album for her. But, you know, yeah. So Jeff Barrow done something that I, I talked about two or three times in the podcast, an album called Druck. And um, oh, yeah. it's, it came out in 2012, 2013. It was one of the best things I heard that came out that year, where it was um, basically Jeff Barrow and his mate kind of wrote a Judge Dredd movie. And uh, they had no plans on making the movie ever. But what they <laughs> wanted to do was write the soundtrack for the movie that they'd written. So they wrote this insane kind of John Carpenter-esque 80s style synthesizer soundtrack for this movie yeah. that doesn't exist. And it's called Druck and it's fucking incredible. Um, uh, people who were into that kind of synth wavy style stuff have to go and check out Druck because every piece in it is only like a minute and a half long but there's loads yeah. of them and they're all part of this script that they've done. So it's, you know, like Bike Chase uh, bank robbery that's the name of all the songs like the, the songs are all named after the parts of the movie that no yeah, one yeah. is ever going to see but uh, it's one of the most impressive things I heard that year it was fantastic I got lucky actually I found it in Spin Dizzy Rec- Records they had a copy of it in I think it was uh, Invader Records that put it out um, Jeff Barrow was involved in this small mm-hmm. record label that put out an awful lot of soundtrack stuff because he does I think, shit I think tons. you sent it to me at one stage and I might, I might have, have yeah um, he does soundtracks for everything Jeff Barrow like he must have done 50 soundtracks and then um, because he has this Invader Invader Records they press up the, the vinyl themselves and sell oh, it directly nice. so you can buy copies of almost everything from Invader Records even stuff that they're not necessarily involved in but he likes he'll go license the soundtracks to release them on vinyl they're very cool like that so yeah, this yeah, album I'm going to get on to him I'll get on to yeah, there you should <laughs> um, so this album third or P3 is the what's written on the cover it's kind of a real cool looking cover actually just as playing teal background with a P and a three in it. It's real basic. Um, like I said, it's an awful lot of weird shit going on. They take that trip hop style that they're known for and evolve it into this real minimalistic kind of mm. noisy thing. It's, I, I'm mad into it. I really, really, really like it. Um, it's well worth having to listen to. Uh, that was Porterhead, 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 <laughs> missing the pubs, missing the pubs now <laughs> with uh, plastic off third. That was, that was Porterhouse and yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Who is your next one? My next one is Smashing Pumpkins. Ah, with sticking song. with the peas. 
Yeah, with the song One and All from 2014, the album Monuments to an LG. One and All is the last great Smashing Pumpkin song ever written. Mm. That's mad because they've written some songs since then and a good bit before, obviously. So there's even like a good spell before it where there was sort of a drought, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. I knew the Smashing Pumpkins. See, I've been sort of dipping in the Smashing Pumpkins and dipping out again. Yeah, me too. Over the years, because, man, you can get born fairly easy. Mm. And I have to say that after... So it's kind of a weird thing with me. I love, obviously, Siamese Dream. I don't even really like Gish that much, from being yeah. perfectly honest with you. I think there's great songs in it, but the guitar wankery on it is... <laughs> I like Gish. Yeah. And it's him showing off to his dad, mm. it's James E. And I go, it's like, short lads. This is fucking garbage. Some of the songs are brilliant, like Rhinoceros and Alan. Like, there's some great stuff on it, but it's ruined by me with all the guitar wankery. So... Obviously, melancholy, infinite sadness. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Adore, actually, I'm not hugely mad about. Mm. I'm, I'm okay with it. And then I prefer uh, Machina. Machina is interesting as fuck. It's 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 not perfect. And it's a bit yeah. all over the gaff, but I still think it has better songs in it than Adore mm. all, overall. So, like I said, this song, One and All, is possibly the last one song they've written. And I've actually gone through them to check because I wanted to see if there was more in here for this playlist. Yeah. But I, I, had, I had already known all the stuff and I had kind of ignored it. I heard it once and went, no, not for me. Yeah. Now, the last great thing they did before that was an album in 2007 called Zeitgeist, which is not on this, but that's in 2007 anyway, so it doesn't really qualify for... Yeah. That's fucking... That's a long time ago. It's 13 years. Too hmm. too long now to be doing that. Um, and that has a song called Doomsday Clock on it, which is in their... For me, their top 15 songs. Absolutely love mm. Doomsday Clock. Has Bleeding the York and there's a few other couple of songs in it as well. But after that, he... I mean, I don't really know. I don't know. know. Like, there was... Well, so after that, right, there was Oceana. Mm. That's, that's a crap album. It's just crap. I can't remember the last time I even bothered listening to that. I probably listened to it when it came out, man. Yeah, they've had three albums in the past decade. Sorry, four if you count, because I think today actually they released an album. Um, Monuments to Elegy is 2014. It's actually not bad. And that, yeah. this song is on it, and it's a really, really good song. Um, and then two years ago, Shine and Oh So Bright Volume 1. Crap, like really crap. Mm. Like fucking, like, may, do you know what? Maybe it's a grower and I'd have to read really into it, but it's mm. more, they're more along the lines of Adore, which I don't think they. It's, not for me. That kind mm. of him singing love songs. Now, you might remember that I think that I figured out a lot about the, in this playlist. It's come up a lot with nineties bands to two thousand year two thousand, especially mm. to two thousand and two. Made or break, broke those kind of bands. A lot of them, yeah. And the Smashing Pumpkins had Machine it out, and that got such a mixed reception that I think it hurt. I definitely hurt because I remember bands. when that came out, it was kind of pissed on. It was, was like, no, this is song. bullshit. And it was only in the years afterwards that people kind of went back to it. Um, going like, this isn't it's that got, bad. It's got like, loads of deadly songs on it. It's yeah. got a few crap songs on it. So the reason I kind of dipped out after this is because, do you remember a couple of years after Machine, I think it was, in 2002, he released an album called Mary Star to Seek with the band Zwan. Mm. That was okay, but it was still... It's the side of Smashing Pumpkins I just don't really get and like. It's the same way people have that with Queen and Radiohead. The certain yeah. sides of them they just do not like. I don't like when they go into those modes or the Clash mm. especially as well. I don't like when they go into that mode. Yeah. 
that's the same for me with Smashing Pumpkins and his own um, his own great uh, sorry his solo album uh, Future Embrace in 2005 that all added to a seven year hiatus before yeah. uh, Zeitgeist which is the fucking got some real good fucking songs and they came back with a bang and then he's playing wrestling companies he was yeah but from from 2007 till now yeah. to only have one good song and I'm yeah. not shitting you it really, feels like, it really feels like this song, one and all, is the only one that really stands out. <laughs> now, I heard I had a couple of listens to a couple of uh, songs that are going to be released on Sear CYR. Mm. So today, a song called Ramona, that's all right. They've really embraced a synth side. Mm. But um, honestly, they're, they're not doing great creatively. I really hate to say that. But, mm. And maybe some people love it, but there's a reason that anyone you talk to hasn't really heard much of these uh, these last yeah. the last ten years. So here's, here's yeah, here's a song from the last ten years anyway. Give it a bash there. This is right. actually cool. This is actually a really good song. I really like it. weird timing going on there interesting yeah it's uh it's good and, and i hate to say that like uh, if you're a fan of adore and you're a fan of zwan you will actually like a lot of the stuff they've done over the last while yeah but i think it's been fairly weak and lacking a lot of uh mm. he doesn't need to go mad he doesn't need to come down with the fucking hammer all the time do you know what i mean go yeah. mad the world is a vampire he need to do all, yeah. all the time but fuck me yeah, I had to really trip some doors. So this is the reason we did, we're doing this playlist. Save some of these stars. Yeah. Well, give me one more song you may or may not have heard by a band in the last 10 years, and I hope yeah. hope, hope it comes off well. But that's uh, Smashing Pumpkins 1 and all. Mm. Who have you got for me? Who have you got for me next? Next is Pixies. Um, oh, that's right. They did an album a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah, I had to. They actually had a bunch of fucking strange. I've had more albums in the last couple of years than I thought they had. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah. Um, so Pixies formed 1986 in Boston um, they knocked on the head in 1993 and then reunited in 2004 and done some weird shit they never, 
they never seemed to really get that shit back together again, uh, like properly until a couple of years ago. They, they kind of f- flirted with the idea of being a band a few more times. Um, so the last release in their kind of classic lineup and shit like that was um, Trompe Le Monde, which would have been 1991. Mm-hmm. And then in 2014, they released this uh, a record called Indie Cindy, which is what this song is off. The song is called What Goes Boom. I think it would be even the fourth song off it. And it's not truly an album. Not really. It's mm-hmm. They were releasing these weird little singles and mini kind of EPs um, on vinyl via their like fan clubs and their websites and stuff like that. Like They weren't widely mm-hmm. available. So you had to kind of sign up to a special site and pre-order it and all this kind of shit. So what Indie Cindy is, it's a collection of all these EPs and singles. So, I mean, okay, it is yeah. an album, but it's a, it's a collection of all the stuff they put out. I think the idea was to build an album kind of organically. So that came out in 2014. And uh, 2016, they released another album called uh, Head Carrier. And that was their sixth album. And then in 2019, they released uh, Beneath the Irie, which was their seventh album. So they've had like three albums since 2014. I didn't know any, I didn't know about Indie Cindy and I didn't know about Head Carrier. I knew about Beneath the Irie coming out. It was last year and it was a big deal being made about it. So like, I honest to God, when I was was planning on putting the Pixies in, I thought I was going to put that 2019 album in. I didn't think I was putting in something from 2014. Yeah. Um, Indie Cindy is the first Pixies album not to have Kim Deal so uh, she hasn't been oh. on anything since this uh, she seems right. to be th- there's just a big headbutting contest between Frank Black or Black Francis whichever way you want to put him yeah. he's Frank Black when he's doing solo stuff when he's Black Francis when he's in the Pixies they seem to just bow heads all the time and she obviously went off and done breeders with her sister and stuff. Actually, it was her sister. He was the drummer of the breeders. So was supposed to be the drummer in Pixies. But uh, she was too nervous and couldn't do it. She, she wanted to start the band with her sister instead. Yeah. I found out as well that Kim Dale couldn't even play bass when she joined the Pixies. She didn't even own one or she couldn't play one. Up, yeah. She just showed, she was the only person who showed up. Um, <laughs> she was literally the only person who showed up when they were trying out for the band. And he said, fuck it, whatever. I'll just I'll show you how to play or whatever. You can go off, get lessons, and I'll give you the basics of it. So, I mean, that was that that lineup, the Kim Deal lineup, is the is the classic one. But like that, the band themselves, the Pixies, because <laughs> they didn't exist for that long. I mean, it's eighty six to ninety three. Yeah, so, they just they weren't even popular when they were out. No, they, it, it it was way later that people start copping onto the Pixies because they were so influential on like Radiohead and Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and shit like that, that the bands they mm-hmm. influenced, like we were talking about with like Sheer Terror and stuff like that, the bands that they influenced just uh, outgrew the influence and they didn't yeah. take them with them on the wave, you know? So it was later on when people start... So you think about people our age, like we start getting real nerdy about bands like Nirvana and Radiohead and Smashing Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails and we start wanting to read the liner notes to find out what was going on so we start getting really interested so you have to assume that like a lot of people would have copped onto the Pixies from them being thanked and talked about in interviews by these yeah. bands so um, I'm going to play a bit of this this song What Goes Boom it's very Pixies like it's very very Pixies that's cool. uh, like the one thing that stands out about it it's, it just it just doesn't sound like it was recorded in a shed uh, <laughs> so this is called yeah, some uh, of stuff doesn't sound garbage before, everything in reverb 17 times uh, this is called What Goes Boom
So it's very pixiesy. That's telly. Pixies it's banging Morrissey off that as well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, like hundred uh, percent. All the bass on this, and mo- I think most of the records that came out afterwards are played. Uh, the bass is played by Simon Dingo Archer from the Fall. So you get that kind of. There's definitely that that kind of weird jittery fucking feel that you get from the, from the Fall and there as well. You know, the Pixies were like. Yeah. The, the the kings and queens of that like loud quiet loud quiet quiet loud loud quiet song you know I love that I oh love yeah big that time that's, well on. yeah they are brilliant like that that's when you think about it that's grunge you know what I mean yeah. or fucking alt rock in general is that quiet first big filthy fucking chorus like Pixies like exactly that, exactly yeah. um, Pixies are pretty much the ones who popularised that movement you know um, but that that indie cindy record is mad interesting like i said because it's taken from a bunch of different eps and singles they recorded uh, you can kind of hear them warming back up you know you can tell what songs were written earlier and what songs were written later and it's, it's very mm. very cool and um, it's well worth well worth to listen to I um, ago. you should though it's very cool i got into the pixies after everyone else ah I yeah jesus i mean about 1983 like you know i got into them about i'd say maybe 98 i started yeah. listening to the pixies to me too. It was definitely late 90s, kind of start of the 2000s that I bothered me whole um, actually going down that rabbit hole. It's not even that much to listen to, really. No. There's not that much stuff, you know. There is now, like the seven albums were now, but if you had to cut them in the late 90s, early 2000s, you were, you were stuck with a fucking yeah. what, three albums, if even. I know, it was um, nice to go back into it and go, fuck yeah, they were doing oh, most, most certainly. <laughs> and then there's like whatever, Wave of Mutilation, you know, there's a double mm. double disc kind of best of as well. That, that covers an awful lot of it. When you don't have that much material, a good double best of gets you half the way. Like. An, an anthology sort of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love an, and, an anthology. But the oh, best of, a few live bits and a couple of yeah. B-sides all oh, thrown in. Beautiful. Beautiful. And they usually show, they usually make another couple of like brand new songs. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. If you couldn't yeah, remember all anthology. yeah. anthologies are great, man. I got the Tom Petty anthology when I was only into like one or two of his albums. Like, yeah. fuck, man, he's got loads of unreal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple, yeah. I have a couple of great Ramones ones of those um, that have like alternative takes and yeah. weird versions and a couple of live versions, like famous live versions or something weird happened that night or, yeah. you know, fucking DD collapse. So there's like half the song is now bass and that type of thing. Uh, so that was uh, Pixies with What Goes Boom off Indie Cindy. Who is your last one? My last one is Kate Bush. Mm. Kate Bush is huge, like to be fair, but to be honest with you, a lot of people I'll talk to, I'm like, have you heard? They might have heard her comeback album. Yeah. So her comeback album was released 12 years after the 1993 album, I think it was, The Red mm. Shoe. Thing, I think, yeah. So this is twelve years after her last album, Aerials, in two thousand and five. Mm. Not this one. This is the one I'm talking about now. And it was so much more than I expected from the album. Like Aerials, or Aerial, sorry, is fucking deadly. Mm. Like you wait twelve years for Kate Bush album. I wasn't really waiting to be perfectly honest. With you. I was like, make one if you want. Like, yeah. I've got, I've got tools to be waiting on and stuff. You yeah. Know I mean? When Ariel came out and I was, it blew everyone away. It was like, mm. holy shit, man. Kate Bush is like back, back. Really Proper back. back. Yeah. And then six years later, she released this album that I'm about to talk about, 50 Words for Snow, mm. which is, you know, that that saying that um, Eskimos. Is Eskimos, that yeah. Outside of, well, that's where the phrase in, came in, from. It's Inuit, Inuit people. But, Inuit people, yeah, yeah um, have 50 words for Snow. The phrase was Eskimos have 50 words for yeah, Snow. Yeah. yeah, and this song is the fourth song off the album Snowflake. And it's really hard to pick a song off this album because they're not singly. Like, there's a couple of real big singles off area, mm. like 
but this one is more like all the songs are like six or seven minutes long mm. and they blend into each other and it's 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 a whole album affair but um i think i really really i really like it over over a couple of listens this album really grows on you like it just it's really minimalist and this hidden kind of stuff i haven't listened to the whole thing yet i've heard a couple of songs that you sent on to me and a couple of songs you played yeah, on yeah. the podcast before but that's it yeah um it's like ariel now to me would be way better but this is still like the fact that she's not she's waiting another six years now i know there was a director's cut album where she kind of did alternative versions of her other songs in in mm. between that but she does wait a long time to get these album albums right yeah and I don't she have a think, home studio does she go to places i wonder i'd imagine so i think she always used to anyway yeah um yeah i'd imagine so an artist like kate bush is not a bazillion miles away from any with the yeah of all about experimenting and you can't do that <laughs> on someone else's time you have to do that true, true true um so she's an artist with a huge huge legacy um and a hugely loyal fan base which mm. sort of goes against the way i didn't pick david bowie yeah. Or Metallica, so it's unfair to, to not pick down. Like, I didn't pick Bowie because, yes, he had an unbelievable album in the last 10 years, but mm. everyone knows about it. Yeah, everyone went down and bought it. Yeah, everyone knows about that. I've, mm. I've, I think that people may have skipped Snow, uh, 50 Words for Snow, and this song, Snowflake. Um, this enters the charts as well, uh, number five. Mm. So it's, it's going against what I just said, really. <laughs> the first, uh, it's grand. This is Kate Bush with Snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> but it may, it may it cemented the fact that she was the first female recording artist to have an album of all new material in the top five during the last five decades. Mm. That's mental. Yeah, that's absolute. I won't say consistency. You take twelve years off, you can't really. Think so. Yeah, massive consistent, but decade wise. So yeah, seventy eight. I think she went directly to number one with Woodering Heights, and then yeah. that album, the album that was off, was was monstrous. But Let's give it a little bit of a listen. It's a long yep. song, so we'll just take a, a snippet of it. And the, obviously, we'll release the playlist. When yep. I was born in a Sing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's an incredible slow border. Mm. It's, it's really ambient. It's really, really mellow. The whole album like has just that lovely listening to... Stick it on if you have any kind of work to do. It doesn't involve needing to work a mm. lot of attention or the music and you'll just you'll feel it growing and you're like holy shit man yeah bush is still massively <laughs> coming out with really relevant music like that's not not going to influence any 15 year olds yeah you know what yeah, i mean yeah, but, yeah. but to her loyal fan base it's not just placating them thrown out a bit bit yeah out here she waits and releases an album that is like holy fuck it's just it's not a million miles away from the quality of our other work to be honest with you. An adapted, more up to date kind of vision of what she's doing now. I yeah. absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So the last two albums, like it's been the last Jesus in the last twenty years she's only had two albums, but the two of them are fucking brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, that's Great. Kate Bush. Snowflake is your last one. My last one is a band called Integrity. And uh, the song is called the song is called "Him for Chil- Him for the Children of the Black Flame," and the uh, the album is called "Howling for the Nightmare Shall Consume." And uh, okay, integrity. How would you even describe integrity? Integrity essentially invented like metalcore, if you get um, quite by accident. So they were formed in Cleveland in the United States in 1988, and it's this weird mix of like punk metal and noise. But they've always had um, all the songs are all based around the kind of topics of religion and mental illness. Like there's, you're not going to get any fucking, there's no uh, kind of standard tropey hardcore or metal kind of gore or fucking you've betrayed me shit in here. This is very dark, very kind of... Um, uh, not satanic. Satanic's the wrong word. This is more of an, uh, an exploration of religious themes. Um, and mm. the the guy behind this band is a guy called Dweed Hellion. He was a I think he was born in Belgium and moved to Cleveland when he was a kid. And it's pretty much him, to be honest with you. And they they must have had Jesus Christ. They must have had thirty people in that band, like over the years, because it's very much he does everything, and then he hires people or gets made to his in to play mm. the music on the albums and go touring with him and shit like that. But Integrity is almost, almost entirely Dweed's uh, kind of gig. Again, I know that Belgian guy, we were talking about Belgium a while ago with Soul Wax and stuff like that. Um, mm. So they're definitely, they're, they're kind of considered pioneers and one of the first bands to mix all these different genres together. Like you think about bands like fucking Hatebreed and all that kind of shit. They, they don't exist without integrity right. they're the band now in the 90s um integrity were definitely in that kind of punk scene or that hardcore scene that metal scene they like were, were taken on tour by giant bands and they took bands that ended up being giants on tour with them all over the world um in particular japan were huge in japan massive in japan and they're mad into kind of japanese extreme music as well so <laughs> They've been releasing, this is the one of the, probably their band on my list, much like your uh, Deftones, where they were continuously releasing material, but no one gave a shit about it. The stuff in the 90s was the stuff everybody wanted. It was yeah. fucking insane. It was almost like, uh, I think a, like uh, maybe a slightly more listenable version of Napalm Death or something like that. That's what we're dealing with, that, that type of music. So 
they were banging those those albums out one after the other and people were soaking up. People who like punk, people who like metal, people who like fucking grind, people who like sludge, they all wanted integrity stuff. They were just one of those bands that they came through town, you had to go and see them because you never know if they're going to go on tour again because who, your man Jweed was always in trouble getting the shit kicked album or kicking the shit out of people. It's just one of those people. Just There's an there's entire websites dedicated to like how much of a prick Jweed can be. Really? You know what I mean? Um, because he's obviously... He's mad. Like he writes songs about fucking like the Dead Sea Scrolls and shit like that. He's, he's fucking mad. Like he's batshit mad. So uh, they came out with this album in 2017 called Howling for the Nightmare Shall Consume. And I hadn't heard an Integrity album in fucking years, even though I've been putting them out. Like first albums, 91, then 95, 96, 97, 99, 2001, 2003, 2010, 2013, 2017. So they've been banging them out. But yeah. once they hit about, let, I'm going to call it a 2001, like no one really gave a shit. It was just the quality of stuff had kind of gone down. He was just churning out the same old shoy. And then he released he released an album. I think the album before this in 2013 was called Suicide Black Snake. And it just sounds like shit. It's just shit. <laughs> like it's not good. Um, <laughs> we My band played with them on that tour. Um, that Suicide Black Snake tour and they were they were deadly and but that album is not good and unfortunately it's the only integrity album I own is that shit album and uh, but the, <laughs> the couple of ones before it weren't they weren't great they just they did not have the they didn't have the flavour to them that the ones in the 90s had where they felt kind of new and there was no one else doing something like this so in 2017, this album, Hymn for the Children, oh, sorry, Howling for the Nightmare Shall Continue, was all the names of songs are too fucking long. And because um, they're all based it's on... Very, the, it's very deep. Yeah, but they're all based on like biblical verses and shit like that. And uh, like uh, monks' uh, studies of biblical texts and shit like that, you know. So uh, this album comes out in 2017. And I seen a pop up online. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, another one. I'll hit play on this. And it blew my fucking head off. It was the heaviest, maddest thing that still had like a foot tapping groove to it that I'd heard in years. Because I've no interest in noise. I've no interest in like fucking um, extreme noise terror or napalm death anymore. I, they don't do it for me, right? It's yeah. just, or nails or whatever. They're just, it's just too much for me, right? I'm past that. So, but I don't mind heavy as long as like there's something going on there. And this album came out. And I couldn't fucking believe it. It was fucking outrageous. I don't know how many times I can say fucking about this album. Um, <laughs> this is like when this album came out in 2017, 2017, like it was just hitting up top fucking, like five albums of the year type of like uh, metal albums of the year type of lists across right. the board. People could not believe that integrity, this band who almost become a little bit of a fucking piss take joke of themselves, had banged out this album. Let me play. Uh, a minute or two of this shit for you, just so right. you, you, you get the idea. It's absolutely metal. It's like doom meets death meets metal meets punk meets hardcore meets cock rock. It's fucking insane. Go.
So we're bordering into like black metal and all there at one stage. Very enjoyable though. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. Very enjoyable. You want to see the bloke he has playing guitar, right? He's like Nacho Libre or something, right? It's this bloke wearing like cut off sweatpants and a headband and a big afro with like a little moustache. And you want to see this bloke playing guitar, man. He is outrageous. I was one of those, look at me in yeah. the band. Oh, yeah, I want to see the cunt. He is. And you like what the rest of the band look like. They're all wearing like all black. Like there's nothing fancy about the band whatsoever. There's no <laughs> stage show. There's no nothing. Because they're, they're just that type of fucking kind of. A lot of, a lot of bands touching that music now, like Behemoth and Tribulation mm. will be putting on massive shows. Especially. Big time. So it is mad. Like that music does, it, it nowadays is delivered <laughs> with fucking a big joint show oh big time big time yeah. like and these guys they definitely don't have the money for that like, <laughs> like Dweed lives in Belgium now and I think he records most of the stuff like over the internet with the lads you know what I mean that's the way it works well, sounds fucking quality to be fair it's very very good like the album the entire album sounds like that and um, he has this other band called oh, I can't remember what they're called they're like Vampire or something like that and it's um, him making it's a bit like what Jeff Barrow does he makes soundtracks for uh, movies that don't exist and oh, it's really? all it's all like synthy kind of black metal stuff uh, like, Garth, like Garth Brooks did like Garth Brooks yeah exactly Chris Gaines type style <laughs> shit <laughs> um, he has a couple of side projects that are kind of very digital and synthy and stuff like that with him messing around yeah. uh, he has another band where he builds instruments and plays them um, that's mad yeah it's insane shit that they do but Integrity without a shadow of a doubt um, are one of the most kind of important pioneer bands of like extreme music without a shadow of a doubt like if you talk to people talk to people who you think are like fucking metal as fuck and you bring it back and integrity is not mentioned they don't know what they're talking about you know what i mean it's they're just that band they're the the kind of the linchpin in most extreme forms of music and uh that album howling for the fucking nightmare shall consume is just fucking outrageous like start to finish it's bananas. Um, it's like that the hallway through. It's just like being kicked in the face by a gang of teenagers for whatever, 40 minutes. Um, that's my last one. That's Integrity. If you like yeah, heavy music, so, go and listen to that album. Uh, if you like catching up with bands in general, listen to this whole playlist. Uh, it's actually a really yeah, good playlist. Yeah, it, it is. Well, it has to be the whole idea. <laughs> Some of our podcasts, the playlist doesn't really matter. Some yeah. of it, it's, it's, it's integral. And I do think that, like, <laughs> someone, sorry. someone sent us an email. <laughs> someone sent now? us an email <laughs> about, um, fuck, about a, a podcast we done a while ago about like shite songs. It wasn't abominations. I don't remember Are what we the in fuck trouble? it was. No, no, no. And they were like, yeah, listen, I can't find that uh, that playlist, and I want to find out what the name of that that uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper song is. So oh. when I looked, and I hadn't made it, I hadn't made the playlist public. And I and hadn't no, put the playlist in. No one noticed except this one bloke. So I mailed him back and said, listen, I made that public now. And I screen grabbed it and I said, oh, you know, Gary, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and, uh, I said, there's the playlist. And he said, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'm never going to listen to that show. I just wanted to know what the name of that Red Hot Chili Pepper song was because it's so bad. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> What was it? Snoop de doop, snowy, snowy bro. Uh, something in California, no needles in California. No, it was like snow. No, snow, I think it snow, might have been bre- no. no, it was breaking the girl. It was no. breaking the. It was breaking. Oh, the girl. that's a great. That's that's a great song. Yeah, no, I can't remember what the playlist was, but it was it was full of junk. Um, I'm pretty sure it was breaking the girl. Um, 
what's the name of the song? But he just wanted to avoid it. He was like, what's the name of that song? And I said, I screen grabbed it. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm never ever going to click that link. Like, not once in my entire life. And I looked at it. I looked at it because most of our playlists have like, you know, decent amount of fucking followers or plays on it. There's literally yeah. one play on that playlist. Like so, some sucker for punishment. Press play. Some complete. Some complete. Yeah. That might have been us by accident. Like mm-hmm. literally. Might have had it just playing in the background. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, uh, don't you forget about me. That's bands that were big in one particular era and came back years later with some bangers. Uh, or, or maybe just one banger. Maybe an album. Some, some of the albums are good. Some of them like, yeah. Hull and Smashing Pumpkins, exactly. they're not good albums. And yeah. Placebo, they haven't really been killing it, but they have that They came song. back with something of... We're giving, we're, we're, we went through the door to give you a gem. Yeah, yes. we did it. We, we trolled, we trolled through it. Um, if you like what we do, we can go to patreon.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. That's a subscription-based service. It's five euros or five dollars a month. Loads of uh, exclusive podcasts and videos and all sorts of malarkey. And I knew uh, Lost Art listens well to you. It's well worth a fiver. It's well worth a fiver. Worth a fiver. There's plenty of shit. There's, there's a month or two worth of weird content on there um, for you. And it's updated as often as we can get around to it. Nothing as weird as what's coming. Yeah, there's some magic coming. Oh, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. I have to, it's going to take, gonna take me ages to do this, but when we do it and <laughs> we, both sit down, we both sit down with it, it's going to be great. It's going to be well worth it. We're going to have to be locked for it as well to make it even more smashed fun. up. Yeah, exactly. Smashed uh, up. If you don't want to join a subscription-based service, that's perfectly fine. You can go to uh, kofi.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. The links are uh, in the podcast feed. You can click on them. And that's just to tip us their $3 tips. If you like what we do, pay us. This is our job now. Yeah, so. if you're like, I don't want to sub- sign up to all this shit, let's go to Kofi. Yeah, try a few quid hey, PayPal three quid it, it really helps absolutely and Thanks. if you have no job we don't expect anything of you just do us a favour share it out on your social media and tell your mates about it that's it because we've been uh, doing this for geez, I think we're nearly we're like a year and a half of the podcast and this Saturday Gone will be our 42nd or 43rd live show in a row so uh, yeah we're, we're doing it for you the people because we are the people too, and we want something to do, and we don't want new folks. Like, honestly, if, if you do absolutely nothing and only listen to it and laugh, and then go on to the next thing, come on. Yeah, that's, that's bad. That's, that's actually bad, just bad. Like, it is bad. <laughs> do us the solid. And people do share all the time. We're not they talking do. about you. You can pat yourselves on the back or finger or clit or whatever, Motsdale, and fucking blokes and whatever, rub their knees, scratch scratch the back of their knee, um, which is, feels lovely. Do that to yourselves. Um, you can't really finger a click, can you? That'd be sore. Whatever you do, uh, do that to yourself. Going with this. Just be happy uh, that you're really, doing yeah. good work, right? Just scratch yourself. I escalated from pat yourself on the back directly to, to whatever. Self. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Have a bowl of cocoa pops. Don't start with cocoa pops. Don't eat the real ones. That's shy. Um, uh, that's it for this week. We're back on Monday with a fresh podcast. We're back Saturday with a live show of some description because we have nothing else to be doing. Anyway, uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you then. See ya.